You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So this is Rabbi Yoshev and the Parsha. Um, the Jewish people, uh, the Bnei Yisrael, I should say, speak to Moshe Rabbeinu and right after the Seres Adibros, and they say, Daber and that, as we know from the Medrash, was something that was really occurring. Those Every Deber that came out from the Rabboni Shalom towards Klal Yisrael, they felt their Nishamot leave their body. And it was only through, as the Gemara says, Yisrael. And the Gemara asks, so if their soul left their body when God's words came and they bound, they became bound with God and their bodies sort of were, were, were empty from their souls, so how did they live? So Chazal say, In a way, we died out of such closeness to God. So Yoshev spoke about this concept of what occurred at the moment of Matan Torah that's described according to Chazal based on the Psukim in this week's parsha. Yoshev felt that it was interesting to note the famous Safek of the great Chida. What about someone who died and was brought back to life? We saw in the Gemara not so long ago in Dafyomi that in the future, the tzaddikim of the Yemot HaMashiach will all be invested with that ability to bring people back to life. Now they're back. Let's say they were married and then died and then were brought back to life. You could say the minute the death occurs, Paku Kiddushin and now that this woman is here, you need to do Kedushin again. Or maybe since, you know, you were brought back, you don't need to do Kedushin. So, Rebbe Yoshev says, look at the Gemara. The Gemara says that their neshamas left their bodies. God sprinkled upon them the dew of Tchiyas HaMesim. Okay. And then what did God say? Go back to your wives. Which means that they're still their wives. So from here, you could see a, a way to, to be poshate the suffix of the chido. So does that mean a, a woman will have two husbands in theory? Rabbi Yosha feels that that even though technically, like let's say, okay, I know what you're saying, Sheila. Well, let's say what Rabbi Yosha says. Rabbi Yosha says a person who died and was brought back to life is still married to the woman that he was married to, despite the fact that if he's not brought back to life, the woman can remarry. Now, let's say 
she does get remarried. And then the guy comes back to life. So do you have a problem now that she's not really a, 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 an almana then, right? That's what could be the 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 one of Rebel Yoshev's Svar and Rebel Yoshev loved a lot was the Sefer Devar Avram from the from Avrov Dov uh, Dov Ber Kahana Shapira. And the Dvar Avram says that if a person dies, and even though he's brought back to life, whatever Kedushan was there is gone. Now, you're Sheila talking about something else, and I know what you're talking about. You're talking about a person who comes back in a Gilgal and has a number of different lives. Is that what you're talking about? Well, actually, I was talking about um, in, in place of Mason, if a woman had more than one husband, who she oh, married. Okay. So, or I guess you could also have a situation where with Gilgal, right? Where a person. Well, Gilgal, you go right by the body, right? This body was in this Gilgal, so that's a separate life than this Gilgal, right? So you have different Gilgal. You can, I think it was the Babish Rebbe said that, um, that when you, you have a separate. You know, when you, you at Teresa Mason, we'll come back in multiple people if we're for all our Google. Wow. So, so, and, and how many Nishama were there? Don't we say it's well, the same? It's, it could be one Nishama in 600,000, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is science. That is weird. In yeah, other so words, it will be multiple people. You know, it's kind of like the Borg, one of seven. Of seven. <laughs> but, but at the same time, what I'm thinking in terms of if that particular. Okay, body so that doesn't bother you. The idea that doesn't. Is, bother that, that doesn't the, the fact, the fact that you exist in as eight different people and with right. eight different wives, that doesn't bother okay. you. You know, I, well, I, you know, let's we'll worry about it then. But at this point, I'm just thinking like. But you're okay, you're talking about him. Uh, you're talking about a person same or two life, same person. So we we actually talked about that with a psak from. Um, is it the last one? Or? With Reb Chaim David Alevi. Remember, we talked about a person who was married, um, right? Uh, and then um, you know he, the wife wants to go visit the grave of the first husband, and there was a question whether that would be the right thing to do um, to show love for the second husband to the first husband when the first second husband has died. And Chaim David Alevi told us how important it was for Shalom Bias that for the wife to to understand that this is right. Um, true, true. But, that's, but the question is, I mean, there are people who in their second marriages have agreed to be mar- buried after 120 years by their first spouse. That's right. We talked about that as well. We saw some chuvas uh, as far as that goes and whether the second husband has a right to uh, to cancel the wife's demands and it's I think the, it's up, it's we uploaded it to the podcast uh platform that whole shila when that occurs uh which wife uh, can can the can the husband uh, stop is uh, stop that from happening so what i would say is like this during their lifetime clearly the shalom bias of the second marriage is important you're asking that in Mesim you're reunited with your husband now you're assuming that's true because you're like you one on to a third. I mean, like seriously, I'm like, at what point does do we say well, you know? Okay, but, but say Sheila, where are you assuming that Chiyas Hamesim isn't just your soul coming back into your body, 
but also being together with the wife that you had. Why do you think that that should go together? Because it's such a crucial relationship. Well, yeah, I mean, you didn't divorce. You, you know, it was an onus. You didn't, you would still be married and if you didn't die, you know. So the question was like, why then does it just end at that point? And if it okay. ends, then... all right. So, so hang on, hang on a second. You're you're jumping again, which is a good jump. You're assuming that if the husband and wife are both dead, and they come back to life, they come back as a married couple. You're saying well, if Rebel, that that's what the we're learning with the mentorship. Right, right. You're saying that if Rebel Yoshev is right, that if a husband who died comes back to life, he's married to his wife. So if they're both dead. And both come back to life in Trios Amesim, then they're still married. That's your art. Now I get it. The assumption. The assumption. That, 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 that's what I get. It is quite possible that Rebel Yoshev's point, though, is now you could say they both died. Like the wife was also hearing that Sarah said Debros. So she was dying and the husband was dying. And then they both got back into their bodies. Good point. Good point. And that's a very good point. Sounds like that they are connected. What I would say is you probably go with the last marriage. That's what I would say. That if you had a couple that, right, Sheila, you had a couple, a man and a woman were married. The man, let's say Rabbi Tursky is a This is going to be a tough thing to say. But we know that, you know, his first wife died in 1995 and he got remarried. He was um, 65 years old and he had Baruch Hashem uh, 25 years with his second wife, who's his almana, uh, living in Yerushalayim now. Achar Esrim for her and by Tchias Mason that we know that Sadik is going to have. My feeling is, is that if, if this sock is correct, the marriage would be with the second wife. You because, see, when it comes to because, husband having more than one wife from a derisa, it's not a problem. I'm talking from a derisa level for a woman. Right. So in other married. words, and, the first Rebetzin Tversky, she isn't married to him anymore because he did a new act of Kedushin to the second wife. Mm-hmm. Right, and well, there he, he could theoretically still be married because. Oh, you want to say you want to say he's married to both of them? Yeah, but but if it was a woman who had two, like then what? No, this he could be married to both, but a, no problem from a whole, from a derisive point of view. But 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 a husband, um, um, can't be married. Um, but a wife can't be married to two. To two Simultaneous, men. T- simultaneously. Anyway. Right, to two men. So that would be a problem if she had been married to one and then they, now they both came back. Unless uh, we're saying the Bria will change and that won't be a problem either. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got me. You got me. I'm happy you're here, but you got me on this one. <laughs> I, I figured it out finally what you meant. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll call upon him. That was Rebel Yoshev's Kiddush based on this. Um, again, if the Dvar Avram is right, 
then none of this is, is relevant. If the Dvar, if, if the Dvar of Ram is right, then a person who has um, a person who has come back is not really married to uh, to anybody. And in other words, you come back with Kiyazabesim, that marriage is over, you're no longer married. Um, what about, they asked Rebel Yoshev, if you're right, what about the fact that they still needed to remarry because now they're Jews? Before Matan Torah, they weren't Jews. Um, so Rebel Yoshev said that the Torah said, this is your wife. The Torah said you should be Pirish from your wife. And that was before the Torah was given. So we see that the, 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 the perspective of Moshe and the Rabboni Shalom and the world was that even though the Torah is not here yet, and technically it could be that you're not 100% Klal Yisrael yet because the Torah hasn't been given, but this is called a, a, Torah, a marriage, the Torah sanctions. Now, now, the, now they got the Torah. So she remains the same Aishas Ish the Torah said she was. This is not like a ger. It's not Gershon is Geyer. The Torah called this woman your wife. So even though you're not technically the same Jew you're going to be afterwards, but still, the Torah called this your wives. So therefore, that doesn't change once the Torah was given. So even though they had Aseris Adibros, and now they finally heard the words of God, but the Torah didn't cancel the marriages. And therefore, she's still the Ashish Ish that she was. That's Revel Yoshev's answer. Uh, the Maral, you might remember, we spoke it out in our Shir last week in our Ramban uh, Shir. I mentioned the Maral. The Maral says that the idea that you become a Gair, you become a new person, is only if you accept it willingly. But since they were forced to take the Torah, they didn't become that level of Ger Shinizgayer. And that's, according to the Maral, why they wouldn't have to do Kedushin again and why they were still married. But I like the way Rebel Yoshev looks at it. Rebel Yoshev says, look, you know, clearly God sanctioned these people as being married. And therefore, even though now they have to live according to the Torah, they they go into the Torah as married people. Um, what about the Astrobel Yoshev? Again, this is a, a sort of it's not as good as your question, Sheila, but it's an interesting one. Let's say the it's a Kohen Gadol who dies, and now he comes back. So now. Um, so does he come back as a coin guttle or just a coin hedgehog now? Uh, it, you, that's going to be his answer. Well, let's say he's the coin guttle that dies. And now they, 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 Elisha Hanavi was there. He brought him back to life. So Lachora, if you're right, Treble Yashiv, you know, she wasn't ever an Almana. Or was she? <laughs> right? 
<laughs> you know, you're married to her, but she's not an almana, is she? Because now that you're the the ishus is still there. So if the ishus is still there, she's not really an almana. Although for there was a while, then you were dead. So, but if he was dead, then he's no longer the crying gadol because the crying gadol goes until death. So there's no shaila either way. So that's what Rebel Yoshev answered. Sheila, you could have been Rebel Yoshev tonight. Even Shemais ain't no Kayan Gadol. Right. Again, let's say you say like, like the Dvar Avram, that if a person comes back to life, it's a brand new life. So if that's the case, he would be also to live with his wife, according to the Dvar Avram, because she's an Almana from him. She's his Almana, but he's not this, his Ishus is gone, and marrying her, even though he knows her very well, this would be like marrying an Almana, which is, it's pretty cool. You got to admit, it's a pretty cool uh, thought, and we should be Zoha. I mean, we, you know, we we're talking about Nebuch, three great Gedolim who died this week, so it's good to be talking about Tchias HaMason. Um, let's say uh, we could probably give many shiurim on, on one of the Aseris Adibros that's mentioned, uh, one of the Aseris, the fifth of the Debra, which is Kabe de Savicha. Rebel Yosha was asked the following question. Um, you have a father who's who's very makbid that he makes sure to get the Mogan Avram's sheet of Kriyachma. Now there's a big machlokas, the Mogan Avram and the Vilnagon, how you figure out the hours of the day. Does it go from sunrise to sunset, or does it go from Zricha, I'm sorry, from Neitzachama? No. Does it go from Alos HaShachar to Tzeis So if that's your amount of time, so you're actually going to have a shorter amount of time to say um, do Kriyachma, I believe. So, according to the Mogan Avram, your time is going to be shorter. The reason is, is because the day begins at 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 Olot uh, Shachar. So, therefore, that's when your first hour starts, and you have to finish Kriyachma by the third hour. So that amount of time usually ends up earlier by about you know, 25, 30 minutes sometimes or more of the sheet of the Vilnagon. So let's say you know that's your father's minute and the son sees that the father is sleeping and he's not going to make his man. Um... What should you do? Should you wake him up? Revel Yoshev said, yes. That's not a lack of Kibarav. He's asleep, but you know that he wants to make Kriyashma. You need to know your father. If your father is the type of person who sometimes he uses the sheet of the Vilna Gon, then don't wake him up. Wake him up a little bit later. Let's say, Rebel Yoshev said, you're at your house and the phone rings. 
And the person on the other line says, is your father home? And they're sleeping. Or can I speak to your, your father? Don't wake them up. You need to know who the person who's calling is. And if you know your father would want to speak to that person, then go ahead and wake them up. Now, how about if you're not sure? So the son should say, what are you calling about? What is this about? And maybe the son should ask the person on the telephone, Rebel Yoshev said, what the issue is. Do you think my father really wants to get this call? And it can't be done later. And he's going to be upset that he wasn't able to talk. It's the stockbroker, whatever it is. You got to make the deal right now. You can rely on the person who's making the call. And if the person who's making the call says, I know, I know your father would want me to wake him up. You don't have to think that he's lying. And you can go and wake your father up. But Rabbi Yashem said, since he's not 100% sure, it's better if you get someone else to do the waking up. It shouldn't be you. So I'm not sure Rabbi Yashem said that exactly. But I guess because it could be, you don't know. Your father didn't tell you, wake me up if, if Plainy calls. Plainy's telling you, he says, I know our relationship is that my, your father would want to be woken up. So Rabbi Yosha feels if you get someone else to do it, you're probably in better shape. We know Rebel Yoshev quoted the famous the Gemara that says that a father who is Michael on his COVID, it's called Nimchal. Rebel Yoshev quoted, however, the Radvaz that says, even if your father says, eh, treat me like one of the boys, treat me like your friend. But you were in this situation, but you decide to still speak to him as sir. You still decide to stand up. You still decide that you're helping him. So even though he says, I'm Michael on the covenant, I'm Michael. And you do it anyway. You fulfill a mitzvah. So even though he's Michael, it's still a kiyam a mitzvah. You're not mechuyiv to do it, but you're makayim a mitzvah by doing it anyway. So even if the father says, ah, I don't want you to help. No, 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 no. I'm one of the boys here. I want to play with you. But by helping him and, and taking him, you're still makayim a mitzvah. It doesn't, it's not a non-mitzvah. In Shulchan Ar Chachayim, Rabbi Yoshev mentions that it says that um, you're not supposed to take your tefillin off in front of your Rebbe. The, Rebbe, the Mishabura says the reason is that it's like a zilzal. It's like, you know, this is like a private thing. You're taking tefillin off, you're getting undressed, sort of like a weird thing. So don't do that. So Rebel Yosha assuming that the tefillin staying on all day there. Right. Because, okay. Right. Yeah, but it's but 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 it's still brought in the Mishnah Bura, even though most people reading that Mishnah Bura at the time weren't wearing tefillin all day. So why is it considered um 
Usser because it's it's a zilzul. It's a zilzul that like come on, what is this? Your your buddy in the locker room, right? Taking off the fill and like in front of him. You should go right, right? Um yeah, it's sort of like you're supposed to be standing at respect. And here you are like taking your tefillin off. So what Yashav says, even though it's not brought down in Shulchan Aruch, in front of your father, you shouldn't do that either. One of the big issues that comes up all the time in Kibbutz is which yeshiva you should go to. Should you go to yeshiva? Should you go to college, yeshiva that has college? Another question. Should you change? You and your father are arguing about or disagreeing which yeshiva it should be. Rav, Moshe, uh, Rav Yoshev says that if Let's say, for example, the high school you were going to. And the question is to go from high school to Yeshiva Gedola. And let's say to Ponovich or one of the great yeshivas. So before, it's not you, Rebel Yoshev says. It's not just your desire. You also need to speak to the, your Rabbeim. If the Rabbeim who are analysts about who can learn well and who has a chance to really grow and succeed and be great in learning. And they're telling you that. So if that's the case, Rebel Yoshev says, you don't have to listen to your father. Now, Rabbi Yoshev then said that even though that's going to cause a rift between you and your father because you didn't listen to him, but if it's, you are truly L'shem Shamayim, and we'll read Rabbi Yoshev's words inside. Im yam shechaben l'sheves bahasmada Rebel Yoshev says, so fakavod lavo. People will see you as an important person. They'll, they'll ask you the shilas. You're going to be one of the best people in the yeshiva. You're going to get the kavod that the tzibur gives to true Talmud HaChachamim. And then your father will see so much nachas from you. Because he's going to see the kavod people give you. He's going to see how happy you are. So Rebel Yoshev says, despite the fact that right now he doesn't want you to continue, when he sees what will occur and how you will grow and, 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 and what sort of respect you get, Rebel Yoshev says that will eliminate this hurt and bring you back together. Now, that's a, a, a very hopeful way to look at things. Because we know many families, unfortunately, this, this machloka starts. I think the main thing you need to understand, according to Rebel Yoshev, is that the people who are telling you this aren't just trying to make you feel good. The, the rabbeim that you get the report from are honest with you. What should you be? 
what, where are you holding? Many people have um, an exaggerated idea of what they're able to do. And Rebel Yoshev is right that you can't just decide on your own. Your father loves you and understands you as well. But if you're Rabbeim, who are, you're close to and who know you, tell you, so then you have the right, Rebel Yoshev says, to disregard. Um, so, in the beginning of the parsha, it says that Yisro had heard all about Kriyas Yamsuf and Melchemes Hamolek. But then Yisro comes to the Bnei Yisroel and he speaks to his son-in-law, Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe tells him, Ko asher Hashem Mitzrayim, everything that happened. L'chore, Yisro had heard the reports. Rashi says about Amalek. You heard about Amalek already. The same Rashi. So what was it that was so different? So Rabbi Yoshev says, there's a difference between hearing it from um, an unimportant personage or from someone who was not only there, but someone who understood every aspect of what the Mocham of Amalek was. And Rabbi Yoshev says, you see that hearing the same information sometimes from a perspective of somebody who was very close is like hearing a total different story. And that's why Yisra was so uh, excited because he heard it from Moshe Rabbeinu himself. The Torah writes that um, the Bnei Yisra all came to that spot at Har Sinai. They all came together. Chazal say and this is one of the reasons I'm sure many of you I've mentioned this before, why they call the hospitals uh, Mount Sinai, is because Chazal say that everybody who came to Mount Sinai was cured. Because when they left Mitzrayim, they might have been blind, they might have been lame. But God said, I'm about to give the Torah, which is Torah Sashem Tamima. I can't give it to people who are lame and have uh, problems with their bodies. And that's, by the way, the reason why so many hospitals are called Mount Sinai. <laughs> why don't they call it Jerusalem? Why do they call it Mount Sinai? I heard this from my Rebbe, Rabbi Yochanan Zweig, um, 45 years ago. So, but it, it's a, such a it's such a nice idea. <laughs> yeah, of course, Sinai, Mount Sinai. Yeah. Now, the the, the goes on. How do we know that if somebody was blind, he could see at Har Sinai? Because it says v'cholaham roim, everybody could see. How do you know that everybody could hear? Because it said Nasev and Ishma, which means they all had the capacity to hear, even though, obviously, from the three million people, some people were blind. And how do you know there were people who were able to stand up? Because it says, So everybody was able to stand. 
So you see that the moment of our Sinai cured all those illnesses and all those physical conditions. Rebel Yoshev asked the following question. Yeah, I know it says Teres Hashem Tamima. It does say that. But look at the Lushan of the, of the Medrash. The Medrash says, God says, the Torah I'm giving them is Tamim. Is it possible I would give the Torah to people who had physical uh, mumim, who can't walk or see or stand? Rebel Yoshev felt that that Lushan is, is, is sort of like very cruel, isn't it? I mean, it's not that person's fault that he has this wound or that he's not able to walk or that he can't see. His soul is definitely a great soul no matter what. And we know that it says, Tyrus Hashem Tamima, fine. It also says the word Tamim, Rav Yoshev pointed out, in the Pasuk, Tamim Tia Im Hashem Elikecha. What does that mean? Tamim means in your neshama, not your body. Rebel Yoshev also pointed out in the Medrash that if you look at it, before he cures everyone, God had another Eitzah. Let's take a look at the Lushan of the Medrash inside again. It says, hmm, I can't give it to this generation, to these millions, because there's so many blind and laying people. Amtin ad shiyamdu Maybe I should wait till they have children and I'll give it to them. But then God speaks to himself and says, no, that means the Torah ends up waiting till the new generation arises. That can't be either. You know what I got to do? I got to do the magic of curing them. Rabbi Yosha felt, what did the Medrash mean that God was actually going to wait till um, the next generation would rise up? How did they know that the next generation, that everybody born would be a perfect a Stepford wife type of child or like a perfect uh, child? There's going to be more Bali Mumim in the next generation. So what is, what's, what, what's God's Havamina? So Rebel Yoshev says, what does this mean when we talk about a Bal Mum? There were two types of Bali Mum in Mitzrayim. One of them was Mumeyaguf. They really, you could see there was something wrong. They were amputees in a way. What, what did that happen? Because what happened was, Rabbi Yoshev quotes the Medrash Tanhuma, you had people who'd be working in the hard brick and mortar, and a brick would fall and break the person's leg, and they have to amputate his foot. But there's another type of mum. The ones that the Navi in Yeshayo says, what are they? They have eyes, but they still are called Ivrim. They have ears that seem to be functioning, but they're still Harashim. And they're people that were people who were lame, that they were like 
hopping. They weren't able to walk straight. Rabbi Yashua says again, that's not literal. Those are people who, who seem to be hopping in two different ways. They don't seem to have a firm direction. They're the ones that say, like we saw by Eliyahu Anovi, hmm, we'll see who wins. Eliyahu or the Neviye Yabal. That's the mumim that the Medrash is talking about. That's what Hashem meant when he said, the Torah is Tomim. How can I give it to Balei Mumim? Balei Mumim meant people who refused to see, people who didn't want to believe, people who didn't want to be convinced because of their gaiva or other reasons. People who couldn't walk straight because they were just waiting to, to go with whoever the winner is. That, those are the mumim that Hashem was worried, maybe I can't give the Torah to them. People like that, who even when the truth is in front of them, they refuse to accept it. People who you can talk to all day, but they aren't really listening because they just want to emphasize their point of view. Those are the people that God says, I don't think I can give them Torah. That's what it meant. Maybe the next generation will be different. Because one of the reasons they became this way was because they were in Mitzrayim. They didn't have proper direction. They had a lot of doubts. They had a lot of pain. They had a lot of influences from the people who didn't leave Mitzrayim, who were part of the Jewish nation, but were doubters. And because of that, even the ones who left, there were still Mumim, there were still Harishin, uh, and, and Ivrim, and Chigrim. And maybe the new generation that's going to be a generation not raised in Mitzrayim. They're not going to have those doubts. They're all going to be a good generation. That's what Hashem says. I don't know if I can keep waiting. As Rabbi Yoshev says, I'm hoping that this new generation will be raised without any doubts by the door. But that might not happen. So what does it mean God heals them? What it means is not magic. What it means is, is that the people that refused to really accept what was in front of them started to see the kolot. Something emotionally changed in them. The event of Matan Torah was so galvanizing to them that the ones who had been doubters, even through all the miracles and were still skeptics, started to see and what usually you couldn't see. That's what it says. Nasev and Ishma, meaning out of, out of fear and love and recognizing the greatness of God, that was eliminated from their system. And even the ones that had always been, well, you're right, you're right, I'm not sure, I'll go with the winner, when they came to Harsinai, they saw that there was only, in a sense, they intellectually realized that they have to stop being in such a way. So that is Rebel Yashem's beautiful shot about um, where we talk about what these mumim were. 
and Enochinami. That is what the event of Matan Torah was able to alter. It was able to remove those type of doubts. But it takes away the the magical part about why you know we call the hospitals Mount Sinai. But I think Rebel Yoshev does his usual job. He, he zeroes in. Why is it only these three? Cheresh, um, and 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 um, Shenu Shomea Achiger. Why is it? And and um, the person who was also. Um, Iver. Rebel Yashuv points out it doesn't mention a person who can't hear, who can't speak. It doesn't mention that. So therefore, those three are the ones that align very well with the type of attitudes that living in Mitzrayim could create. And therefore, you know, we don't have magic, but what we do have is the importance of what Matan Torah could do. And um, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sort of like raises the temperature and and creates a situation of Matan Torah that he believes was even greater than Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim in terms of eliminating those type of doubts from the people. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 